Konnichiwa! Welcome to Japanatron. My name is Dave Pavlina. Japanatron is a podcast about Japan, life in Japan, and Japanese culture. Today's topic, what we doing? Uh, it's called the Kyoto Incident. Now, uh, this is going to be a story. I got a story for you. Um, and I got to give you a little warning. Um, it's quite disgusting. So, if you're not going to be into that, then turn this off right now. Alright. I was asked by a best friend of mine to kind of repeat this story. I've told it many times. um, Not many times, but I've told it on my blog. I've wrote it, and uh, I've written it. And uh, I told it on another podcast uh, probably a few years ago. Anyways, uh, let's let's begin. This is the Kyoto Incident. Okay. Many years ago, many, many years ago, in a land far away, known as Japan, I was teaching English out in Toltori, um, at Eon, and um, in my lessons, I often um, put stuff that I liked, you know, my own interests and hobbies and whatnot, into the lessons, because I thought it made it more interesting, uh, at least for me, because uh, I'm selfish that way. And... Um, I always mentioned two of the uh, two big reasons I came to Japan in the first place, which is when I was a child, I was obsessed with two Japanese things. Number one was Nintendo, and number two was ninjas. I fucking love ninjas, and I love Nintendo. I adored these two things, which is kind of um, what planted the seeds for this, like, Japan obsession of mine. So, uh, yeah, ninjas, they were awesome. I loved everything about ninjas because I was a weak little dude, and I still kind of am, you know, scrawny little dude. And I loved, like, I wasn't into, like, the big muscular superheroes, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzeneggers. I was really into ninjas because they were kind of small and scrawny too, but they, like, just kicked everybody's ass, like, no problem. That's kind of why I loved them. I-, I loved the ninja, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anything with ninja, it was just all all about the stealth and about like the. It wasn't just brute force that they use. Uh, they would they would just use stealth and they just like blow dart your ass. You know, you know you didn't even know what what the fuck hit you and you're just dead. You're just buried. You know because ninjas just kicked your ass, dude. So that's why I love Japan. So I always mention that in classes. So after one class, uh, a good a. Uh, uh, a really, a really genki, a really, uh, a really uh, nice, you know, a, a, a really great student <laughs> came up to me. His name was Susumo. He was the type of guy who loved adventure. Uh, really interesting guy. He like biked. He rode his bike from Toltori to Osaka and stuff. Just really wild guy. Just would hop on a bike and just go. You know, he would, he would just he he was the type of very spontaneous who would just go somewhere. And he loved adventure. And he's like, so, you know, I hear you love ninjas. You're always talking about them in class. Um, 
why don't I take you um, out to, um, I'll show you the, the traditional ninja villages, the real deal, the the places where ninjas, real ninjas resided, you know, and lived and trained and everything. Um, and uh, so he, he did this, he made this happen. And uh, he put together this trip to the ninja villages. And it was me, Susumu, of course, uh, he was driving, and two um, female students, Yoko and Shinobu, if I remember correctly. So it was the four of us. Okay, so we went out to these ninja villages. Uh, and in case you're interested in this, in case you're, you two are obsessed with, with ninjas, like I am, uh, they were called Igamura and Kogamura. Igamura, if I remember correctly, is in Mie pre- Prefecture, and Kogamura is in Shiga Prefecture. Uh, it was quite a drive, but not overly inconvenient from Toltori Prefecture. It was just a few prefectures over. It wasn't like across the whole country. So we made a day trip out of it. Uh, we got up really early and headed out there and uh, uh, did the ninja villages, the ninja museums. They had like a ninja show where like people were fighting. <laughs> it was kind of geared for the kids, but it was pretty entertaining nonetheless. Uh, it was almost like pro wrestling, uh, but it was it was really really entertaining. They also had the ninja house at both of these with like the secret passages and the booby traps and uh, lots of cool stuff. I was checking it out. Anyways, um, the the ninja villages were a blast. And if you have any kind of interest in ninjas, I can't recommend those enough. Um, if you can make it out there, if you can even find these places. You'd probably, like I did, you'd probably need um, a, f- a Japanese friend, a student, or something, uh, somebody Japanese who knows <laughs> knows how to look that up. Um, I don't know. You might Google it, you know, and find an English website or something, you know, or maybe your Japanese is really good. So, anyways, I had a I had a blast um, at the Ninja Villages. Okay, so here's kind of where the story. <laughs> it's almost like this is kind of where the story begins, the Kyoto incident. This is why it's called the Kyoto incident. Um, it's kind of early evening. We're on our way back to Toltori, uh, you know, the long drive back. And we have to kind of drive through, we could kind of drive through Kyoto, uh, which is a nice place to drive through, um, on our way home back to Toltori, just the way the highways were or whatever. I don't, I don't know the exact reason. And so we're all like, hey, let's stop for dinner in Kyoto. That was not my idea. It was probably Susumu's idea. And he had this, um, he had a restaurant. I mean, this guy was an adventurer, so he just knew, he's like, I know this cool restaurant in Kyoto. Let's do it. He was the most awesome tour guide, and I love this guy. Really, really great guy. And uh, so if you know Susumu, (laughs) so Susumu, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. Okay, so... He takes he takes um, us into this really uh, nice restaurant in Kyoto. Uh, you know that the type where you're sitting on the floor. The tatami mats very traditional. Uh, the waiters and waitresses are all in traditional uh, Japanese garb. You know the kimonos and everything. It's like a multi-course meal. It's awesome. Okay, so uh, there's fish and just oh just just elegant dishes. Just mouth-watering, elegant Japanese food. So we're working through this meal. Um, there's a lot of things I had never had before. Um, and we get to kind of like the end, the dessert. And they serve this dessert called tonyu, which is kind of, I guess it's like a, it's based on soy milk. Uh, it's like a creamy, very rich, um, 
uh, tofu kind of made into a dessert. Now, there's different types of tonu. Uh, the more common one you'd probably see is in a convenience store, you drink it. It's like a soy milk. Um, and uh, this one was like a dessert form, almost like a pudding. Um, and it was good. It was really good. Very rich, uh, tofu-y, kind of a healthy, you know, typical Japanese sweet, not like extremely, uh, you know, overwhelming sweetness to it. Um, and this was my first time having it, you know. And there was really nothing, like, it wasn't like fish shit or something that I was eating. So it wasn't any, like, anything that was like, you know, like, nasty fish sperm or something like that that I wasn't, like, hesitant to eat or anything. They were just like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, based on tofu. It's a, it's a really good dessert. It's, it's served at high-end restaurants. You know, so I gobbled it down. It was really, really good. Anyways, it, it had to be this. <laughs> it had to be this. <laughs> this thing, this tonu despite being a pretty small portion of a dessert, this thing gave me a bigger shitstorm. It was like the the Hurricane Katrina of shitstorms. Um, I mean, as soon as I finished it, there was just rumblings in my guts, like a massive fucking Category 10 shitstorm was, was, was just getting conjured up in there. And I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> and I don't know, I wouldn't say I have an overly sensitive digestive system. I would just say I have a, uh, a noisy digestive system, which I think I inherited from my grandfather. He and I both have what I like to call kind of like a horn concerto, like the, the brass section of a, a symphony orchestra. You know, that just a very talkative, noisy asshole. That's kind of the way my digestive system is. Very gassy. Uh, it's almost more talkative than the mouth on my face. <laughs> you know, I, I like to say, you know, hey, maybe I have an extra set of lungs in my ass cheeks. They're just always breathing and talking and blah, 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 flapping, flapping my ass cheeks. Uh, but in this case, it was a wicked Category 10 shitstorm. Category 11, maybe. Okay, and the winds were picking up. Right then and there in the restaurant, I excused myself politely. I went to the very nice and clean and immaculate uh, restroom, and I shat my brains out right there. I mean, it was like literally two to five minutes after finishing the Tonu dessert. And I was like, oh, problem solved. And good thing problem solved because we had a long, like, three-and-a-half-hour drive back to Toltery. Okay, so we finished the dinner, and we hop in the car, and that shitstorm came back in a wicked fucking way. No, it was not over. It was not over <laughs> at all. Those winds picked up, and it was of uh, Noah's Archean proportions, this wicked shitstorm. Okay, and my, uh, my guts are grumbling. Okay, and we're in the car, and I'm taking deep breaths like a pregnant woman doing Lamaze, thinking, I can make it. I can fucking make it back to my apartment. I can do this. I can hold it back. I can hold back the Noah's Archean flood of liquidify shit that wants to come out of me right now. I can fucking make this. So we're on the highway, and I am battling this. My guts are fucking churning and burning. <laughs> like that. They must have heard it. 
I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's hard to be aware of how loud your own guts are, but in retrospect, you know, I wasn't really thinking about other people at the time, <laughs> but it had to be pretty loud, and I was holding back this this flood of shit that had to come out of me, and I was kind of like sweating and taking deep breaths, and I was in the back seat, uh, the window side, and I was just kind of like clawing at the window like a cat, you know, with some kind of weird jungle disease. And I must have scratched, like, his upholstery in his car off or something. And I was just like, oh, my God. And it was, you know, like, you know, the way when you're holding back that, like, massive diarrhea shit. And you're just, like, breathing. You're doing deep breaths. And it's going, like, in waves where the guts are like, oh, I want to get this out. And then it kind of, like, pulls back a little bit. And it was just going in these, like, waves of tremendous pain. And I was just like, and I reached my wit's end. I, I came to the point where I'm just sweat, I'm pouring sweat back there, taking deep breaths. I was literally a pregnant woman. And Yoko and Shinobu were like, I think this dude needs the hot towels. He needs the water, you know, whatever pregnant women need. He's given birth. He is given birth. And there's nothing that's going to stop it. And um, I did not want to do it in the car. I, I'm not a fucking baby. You know, I, I'm not going to shit my pants. I'm not going to shit my pants. So I'm like, dude, I'm gonna shit my pants if, if I have to like withstand this anymore, anymore. So I just I take several deep breaths, and I'm like, I have to do this in a calm way. I have to do this as calmly as I possibly can. So Suma's driving. He's looking in the rearview mirror. He had to know. He had to know. And I just say. Susumu? <laughs> and he looks in the rearview mirror at me and he just says, Toilet? <laughs> just kind of shake my head as just beads of sweat are rolling down my brow. And I don't know how he does it. Like I said, he's an adventurer. He, he knows, he's a nomad. He knows the roads. You know, he, he knows the highways. He's a human GPS. Somehow, miraculously, he finds, you know, a rest stop area. And I am like, oh my god, I fucking love you. You have truly saved my life. Now, the most embarrassing thing about this moment is the fact that there's two girls, pretty attractive girls, I might add, in the car. Why the hell does this have to happen to me? Why did girls have to be in the car? Because if it were me and Susumu... I could have I could have just said right in the beginning. I said, you know, hey dude, you know, guy to guy, I gotta take a tremendous shit right now. Can you please like find a place? It wouldn't have been a problem. But the fact that there are two girls in the car probably are the re it's that's probably the reason I was hesitating so much, you know, and taking deep breaths and just really trying to make it. But I couldn't do I couldn't do three hours. It was way more. I was biting off I was biting off way more tone you than I could chew. Okay, and the Tonyu, that little block of Tonyu, was kicking my ass, literally. And it, it had to come out. Okay, so he, he finds this rest stop, this rest area, and we, he, uh, you know, we stop there. And we all get out, okay? You know, I guess everyone needed a little ref refreshment. Okay, and it's just totally abandoned. It's, it's pretty late at night at this point. And, um, you know, I was kind of curious. I'm like, oh, man, how far did I make it? Did I make it? two, two and a half hours in, I don't know, I, I, I lost track of time, I mean, 
my whole sense of time, my sense of balance, my sense of life was completely phasing in and out at this moment. This diarrhea shit had truly taken over everything that was me and my essence. It had destroyed my soul at this point. So we go in the restroom, and of course, Susumu goes in with me to take a piss. Okay, and there's no one else in there, completely abandoned and dead quiet. It's like the middle of the forest or something off the side of the highway. He goes in to take a piss. I go in the stall, of course. All of the stalls, Japanese style, which is a hole in the floor. You got to squat. It's like a rectangle with a little cup in the front. Okay. Now, that was a funny thing, is I didn't know... Is the cup supposed to go in the front, or is the cup supposed to go in the back? I didn't know at this point. Now, the answer, which took me probably a good eight years to figure out in Japan, of life in Japan, the answer is the cup is supposed to go in the front, actually. You're supposed to squat with the cup in the front. Which I don't understand because um, I never really got good at squatting, and I still am no good at it. Because the problem I have is the pants... The pants go down, like, to your ankles, right? And you're kind of squatting over this rectangle. And I don't understand how you avoid pissing and shitting on your pants, okay? So what I did at this moment, and don't ask me how I did this in the urgency and panic that I was, panic state I was in, is I actually just removed the pants altogether. But the floor is dirty, so I leave the shoes on. So if you picture this, I'm a grown man with no pants and like a t-shirt and tennis shoes on and that's it okay just no pants at all and and luckily there was like a hook for like a uh, a bag so i i hooked my pants on there and i took a deep breath and i said to myself dave this is where it's gonna happen okay and i put my hand on the handle to flush uh because i did not want susumu to hear the god-awful sound that was going to come out of my body now, let me digress for a moment. There are a few moments in a person's life where you truly see the face of God. You see the face of God in heaven staring at you. This might be like when you look into your firstborn child's eyes, you know, as your wife has given birth. You know, the child's eyes open. And this is like staring into the, you know, the eyes of God. For me, it was this moment. I truly saw the handiwork, the good news, the good work of God, Yahweh, Allah, Zeus, whatever you want to call him. Life is good at this point. It all exited at once, of course, given how the tremendous amount of strength and power I was using to hold it back. It was a Noah's Archean flood of shit that just came out. Now, I flushed immediately like a madman, grabbing the ha the silver handle and just flushing it down because I did not want Susumu to hear because in that tile bathroom, it was reverberating. It was like, <laughs> I think I was screaming like a child going down a water slide. Probably. I don't remember. Things got kind of cloudy at that point. <laughs> so, um, probably about 10, 15 flushes. No, I'm exaggerating. 
uh, <laughs> 15 flushes later, it was all out. And I was, I was pretty assured at this point, given how much time had expired um, up to this point, that I think it was, it was past me. I think it was over. I think the worst of it, I think the worst of it had, had passed. Okay. Um, and hey, you know, <laughs> toodles, <laughs> toodles, uh, you know, a really good tribute, an accolade to the Japanese sewer system for, for dealing with that. Okay. They're probably still processing it to this day. Um, anyways, it took me quite a while to kind of get myself back together. I had to kind of give myself literally like some psychological counseling in that stall. Um, luckily, you know, the, the restroom was clean. It was just the Japanese style I had to deal with. So, you know, I kind of, you know, wheeled my pants back on and get, took some deep breaths, wiped, you know, the sweat off, you know, <laughs> You know, I got kind of clean myself up. Susumu at this point was waiting outside, along with the two girls, Yoko and and uh, Shinobu. They were waiting outside, and there was this odd, very odd—I cannot explain it—look that they kind of gave me. Very subtle. Japanese are very subtle, but you know, body language does still tell a a, a very interesting tale. And uh, yeah. Their body language told me a lot, and it was, um, holy shitballs, what the fuck did he just do in there? That is really, I think, what their look uh, kind of told me. They covered it up the best they could. God bless them. Japanese, very polite. You know, they did not bring this up. I did not bring it up. Um, I would, pr- I probably would have brought it up, if, it, like I said, if it was just me and Susumu, but it was not. It was two um, girls along with us, and I did not want to talk about my um, my very talkative digestive system at that point. But they kind of had a look as well that said, is this going to happen again? <laughs> is this going to happen one more time, two more times? We still have a bit of road to cover. Fortunately for me, um, it did not. We made it home. I made it home. Um, I drank a lot of water when I got home. I wasn't sick. It wasn't food poisoning. It was just explosive shit that had to come out instantly. It was kind of like, you know, it's the fo- it's the kind of food that doesn't really, it doesn't get you sick. It just gives you tremendous shits. It's like Indian food, I guess. Indian food just gives you the shits. After you finish Indian food, I love it. It's very filling, very satisfying, but then it just makes your ass explode like a fucking bomb uh, afterwards. And it's it's almost a good feeling, but you have to kind of prepare for that. If you're going to have Tonyu and you have a noisy or sensitive digestive system like I do, you have to prepare for it. You have to um, schedule your life around that meal, that Tonyu. You have to make sure you're not going to be in the car for three fucking hours. Okay, you're going to be home, you're going to be near a clean, hopefully Western style toilet where you can shit your brains out. Okay, um, now I've, I've learned that lesson. If uh, there's Tonyu in the meal, I will, and there's a long road trip, I will skip the Tonyu. Um, if there's Tonyu and I'm going to be near a shitter, um, a clean, nice Western style shitter uh, for the next several hours, I will definitely partake in the Tonyu. Okay, made it home, okay, and it was a good sigh of relief. 
I was wondering though, I was really scared because you know they're all students. I was wondering, I'm like, oh holy shit, pardon the pun. Uh, are they gonna tell the other students? Are they gonna tell the teachers? Um, are, are, am I gonna have like a, a sea of snickers? You know, people snickering at me when I go in to teach class. Uh, oh, that's the guy who had the, the crazy shits, you know, or something. Um, nothing like that really transpired, but I don't know. Like I said, Japanese are very subtle. And uh, yeah, I didn't notice anything, but maybe I was just trying to ignore it. Interesting side note. When I got home, um, you know, it was really late at night. I was getting, you know, taking a shower, getting ready for bed, all that. There was a pretty, um, there's a pretty wicked skid mark. I wouldn't even say skid mark because it was liquid. I don't know what you call that, like a brown spot in the underwear. <laughs> um, I didn't bother saving it. I had plenty of, of other, you know, pairs of Costco champion underwear. I just threw it out. Um, but apparently I didn't hold it back as well as I thought I did. But one good thing is it did not soak through to the pants which is very, very important. Because if I got out of the car and I was walking, you know, out, they dropped me off first, of course. If I was, like, going, you know, Otsukai-sama, you know, thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. After the trip, in front of my apartment, and they see, like, a wicked brown spot <laughs> right where my asshole is on the back of my pants, um, that would have been tons more embarrassing. But I checked the pants... Um, this is probably the reason why I always wear dark pants anyway, because just in case, you know, you got turtle head or some other kind of like brown spot or like a skid mark, you don't want that soaking through into the pants. Uh, that's why I always wear brown pants, you know, just in case it matches it. So it's, it kind of hides it or, you know, dark pants, uh, brown preferred, of course. So yeah, point being, uh, threw the underwear out, and no, there was not the spot into the pants, because that would have been really fucked up. So, luckily that didn't happen. Um, sorry, I'm kind of dragging this on. Anyways, point being, I made it home. Alive. Um, and thank you to Susumu. And a big sorry, well actually, a big, I don't know if it's a sorry. <laughs> a big otsukare-sama to Yoko and Shinobu for putting up with that. I, you know, I, I was thinking, too, I was wondering if I was farting in the in the car, and maybe that's how they knew, too. I don't, I wasn't even aware of that. Like I said, I was in, like, a haze. I don't even know what was, uh, I was in a haze, uh, a Liberian fog, as my as my best friend would say. Um, so I don't know, really, I had no awareness about me. <laughs> I was out of my wits. So, um, yeah, uh, I hope you enjoyed the story called the Kyoto incident. Um, and, uh, yeah, take care and, uh, talk to you later. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Japanatron. Cheers. Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.